The Moral Basis of Cooperation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine. The Moral Basis of Cooperation by Mohandas K. Gandhi. Paper contributed to the Bombay Provincial Cooperative Conference, September 17, 1917. The only claim I have on your indulgence is that some months ago I attended, with Mr. Eubank, a meeting of mill hands to whom he wanted to explain the principles of cooperation. The chawl in which they were living was as filthy as it well could be. Recent rains had made matters worse, and I must frankly confess that, had it not been for Mr. Eubank's great zeal for the cause he has made his own, I should have shirked the task. But there we were, seated on a fairly worn-out charpai, surrounded by men, women, and children. Mr. Eubank opened fire on a man who had put himself forward, and who wore not a particularly innocent countenance. After he had engaged him, and the other people about him, in Gujarati conversation, he wanted me to speak to the people. Owing to the suspicious looks of the man who was first spoken to, I naturally pressed home the moralities of cooperation. I fancy that Mr. Eubank rather liked the manner in which I handled the subject. Hence, I believe, his kind invitation to me to tax your patience for a few moments upon a consideration of cooperation from a moral standpoint. My knowledge of the technicality of cooperation is next to nothing. My brother, Devadar, has made the subject his own. Whatever he does, naturally attracts me, and predisposes me to think that there must be something good in it, and the handling of it must be fairly difficult. Mr. Eubank very kindly placed at my disposal some literature, too, on the subject, and I have had a unique opportunity of watching the effect of some cooperative effort in Champaran. I have gone through Mr. Eubank's ten main points, which are like the commandments, and I have gone through the twelve points of Mr. Collins of Behar, which remind me of the law of the twelve tables. There are so-called agricultural banks in Champaran. They were, to me, disappointing efforts, if they were meant to be demonstrations of the success of cooperation. On the other hand, there is quiet work in the same direction being done by Mr. Hodge, a missionary, whose efforts are leaving their impress on those who come in contact with him. Mr. Hodge is a cooperative enthusiast, and probably considers that the result which he sees flowing from his efforts are due to the working of cooperation. I, who was able to watch the efforts, had no hesitation in inferring that the personal equation counted for success in the one, and failure in the other instance. I am an enthusiast myself, but twenty-five years of experimenting and experience have made me a very cautious and discriminating enthusiast. Workers in a cause necessarily, though quite unconsciously, exaggerate its merits, and often succeed in turning its very defects into advantages. In spite of my caution, I consider the little institution I am conducting in Ahmedabad as the finest thing in the world. It alone gives me sufficient inspiration." Critics tell me that it represents a soulless soul force, and that its severe discipline has made it merely mechanical. I suppose both, 
the critics and I, are wrong. It is, at best, a humble attempt to place at the disposal of the nation a home where men and women may have scope for free and unfettered development of character in keeping with the national genius, and, if its controllers do not take care, the discipline that is the foundation of character may frustrate the very end in view. I would venture, therefore, to warn enthusiasts in cooperation against entertaining false hopes. With Sir Daniel Hamilton it has become a religion. On the 13th January last, he addressed the students of the Scottish Church's College, and, in order to point a moral, he instanced Scotland's poverty of two hundred years ago, and showed how that great country was raised from a condition of poverty to plenty. There were two powers which raised her, the Scottish Church and the Scottish Banks. The Church manufactured the men, and the Banks manufactured the money to give the men a start in life. The Church disciplined the nation in the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, and in the parish schools of the Church the children learned that the chief end of man's life was to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Men were trained to believe in God and in themselves, and on the trustworthy characters so created the Scottish banking system was built. Sir Daniel then shows that it was possible to build up the marvellous Scottish banking system only on the characters so built. So far there can only be perfect agreement with Sir Daniel, for that without character there is no cooperation is a sound maxim. But he would have us go much farther. He thus waxes eloquent on cooperation. Whatever may be your daydreams of India's future, never forget this, that it is to weld India into one, and so enable her to take her rightful place in the world, that the British government is here, and the welding hammer in the hand of the government is the cooperative movement. In his opinion, it is the panacea of all the evils that afflict India at the present moment. In its extended sense, it can justify the claim on one condition, which need not be mentioned here. In the limited sense in which Sir Daniel has used it, I venture to think, it is an enthusiast's exaggeration. Mark his peroration. Credit, which is only trust and faith, is becoming more and more the money power of the world, and in the parchment bullet into which is impressed the faith which removes mountains, India will find victory and peace. Here there is evident confusion of thought. The credit, which is becoming the money power of the world, has little moral basis, and is not a synonym for trust or faith, which are purely moral qualities. After twenty years' experience of hundreds of men, who had dealings with banks in South Africa, the opinion I had so often heard expressed has become firmly rooted in me, that the greater the rascal, the greater the credit he enjoys with his banks. The banks do not pry into his moral character. They are satisfied that he meets his overdrafts and promissory notes punctually. The credit system has encircled this beautiful globe of ours like a serpent's coil, and, if we do not mind, it bids fair to crush us out of breath. I have witnessed the ruin of many a home through the system, and it has made no difference whether the credit was labelled cooperative or otherwise. The deadly coil has made possible the devastating spectacle in Europe, which we are helplessly looking on. 
it was perhaps never so true as it is today that as in law so in war the longest purse finally wins i have ventured to give prominence to the current belief about the credit system in order to emphasize the point that the cooperative movement will be a blessing to india only to the extent that it is a moral movement strictly directed by men fired with religious fervor it follows therefore that cooperation should be confined to men wishing to be morally right but failing to do so because of grinding poverty or the grip of the mahajan facility for obtaining loans at fair rates will not make immoral men moral but the wisdom of the estate or philanthropists demands that they should help on the onward path men struggling to be good too often do we believe that material prosperity means moral growth it is necessary that a movement which is fraught with so much good to india should not degenerate into one for merely advancing cheap loans i was therefore delighted to read the recommendation in the report of the committee on cooperation in india that they wish clearly to express their opinion that it is to true cooperation alone that is to a cooperation which recognizes the moral aspect of the question that government must look for the amelioration of the masses and not to a pseudo-cooperative edifice however imposing which is built in ignorance of cooperative principles with this standard before us we will not measure the success of the movement by the number of cooperative societies formed but by the moral condition of the cooperators the registrars will in that event ensure the moral growth of existing societies before multiplying them and the government will make their promotion conditional not upon the number of societies they have registered but the moral success of the existing institutions this will mean tracing the course of every pie lent to the members those responsible for the proper conduct of cooperative societies will see to it that the money advanced does not find its way into the toddy seller's bill or into the pockets of the keepers of the gambling dens i would excuse the rapacity of the mahajan if it has succeeded in keeping the gambling die or toddy from the ryot's home a word perhaps about the mahajan will not be out of place cooperation is not a new device the ryots cooperate to drum out monkeys or birds that destroy their crops they cooperate to use a common thrashing floor i have found them cooperate to protect their cattle to the extent of their devoting the best land for the grazing of their cattle and they have been found cooperating against a particular rapacious mahajan doubts have been expressed as to the success of cooperation because of the tightness of the mahajan's hold on the ryots i do not share the fears the mightiest mahajan must if he represent an evil force bend before cooperation conceived as an essentially moral movement but my limited experience of the mahajan of champaran has made me revise the accepted opinion about his blighting influence i have found him to be not always relentless not always exacting of the last pie he sometimes serves his clients in many ways and even comes to their rescue in the hour of their distress my observation is so limited that i dare not draw any conclusions from it 
but i respectfully inquire whether it is not possible to make a serious effort to draw out the good in the mahajan and help him or induce him to throw out the evil in him may he not be induced to join the army of cooperation or has experience proved that he is past praying for i note that the movement takes note of all indigenous industries i beg publicly to express my gratitude to government for helping me in my humble effort to improve the lot of the weaver the experiment i am conducting shows that there is a vast field for work in this direction no well-wisher of india no patriot dare look upon the impending destruction of the hand-loom weaver with equanimity as dr mann has stated this industry used to supply the peasant with an additional source of livelihood and an insurance against famine every registrar who will nurse back to life this important and graceful industry will earn the gratitude of india my humble effort consists firstly in making researches as to the possibilities of simple reforms in the orthodox hand-looms secondly in weaning the educated youth from the craving for government or other services and the feeling that education renders him unfit for independent occupation and inducing him to take to weaving as a calling as honourable as that of a barrister or a doctor and thirdly by helping those weavers who have abandoned their occupation to revert to it i will not weary the audience with any statement on the first two parts of the experiment the third may be allowed a few sentences as it has a direct bearing upon the subject before us i was able to enter upon it only six months ago five families that had left off the calling have reverted to it and they are doing a prosperous business the ashram supplies them at their door with the yarn they need its volunteers take delivery of the cloth woven paying them cash at the market rate the ashram merely loses interest on the loan advanced for the yarn it has as yet suffered no loss and is able to restrict its loss to a minimum by limiting the loan to a particular figure all future transactions are strictly cash we are able to command a ready sale for the cloth received the loss of interest therefore on the transaction is negligible i would like the audience to note its purely moral character from start to finish the ashram depends for its existence on such help as friends render it we therefore can have no warrant for charging interest the weavers could not be saddled with it whole families that were breaking to pieces are put together again the use of the loan is predetermined and we the middlemen being volunteers obtain the privilege of entering into the lives of these families i hope for their and our betterment we cannot lift them without being lifted ourselves this last relationship has not yet been developed but we hope at an early date to take in hand the education too of these families and not rest satisfied till we have touched them at every point this is not too ambitious a dream god willing it will be a reality some day i have ventured to dilate upon the small experiment to illustrate what i mean by cooperation to present it to others for imitation let us be sure of our ideal we shall ever fail to realize it but we should never cease to strive for it 
then there need be no fear of cooperation of scoundrels that Ruskin so rightly dreaded. End of the Moral Basis of Cooperation Recording by Catherine, March 2010, Hong Kong